You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. He's a warrior. The angel of the Lord, Christ, is the commander of the Lord's army, and he wants you and I to be in that army. He wants us to be like him. Warriors. Now, I realize that the warrior aspect of God is not the only aspect of his character. I understand that. Nevertheless, he is a warrior. He leads an army. This world is a battleground and God is leading an army. He's looking for soldiers willing to fight for his cause in this world. He won't force you, but seeks those willing to join him. You'll learn today with Pastor Danny that the Lord looks for the courageous believer who puts him above all other things. Those willing to let go of fear and walk boldly, trusting in the Lord, will fight the good fight. It's not a battle you can fight on your own. You must rely on his strength. He will strengthen and encourage you as you fight. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 20, as he begins his message, God's Volunteer Army. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Uh, I want to say a couple of things before we read the text. I hope you know, if you don't, uh, let me just say, uh, God is a warrior. He's a warrior. Uh, Numbers chapter 21 verse 14 mentions the book of the wars of the Lord. Now, we don't know where that book is, but evidently there's some record book of the wars of of the Lord. And God has never not only lost a war, he's never lost a battle. Never. Never. Now, you got Deuteronomy. I'm going to jump over to Joshua real quick. Chapter 5. Joshua is leading the children of Israel into the land of promise. They have crossed the Jordan River. It was a miraculous crossing, just like the Red Sea crossing. Um, The priest here at the Jordan, they stepped foot into the water, and when they got their feet wet, that's when God did his thing, and he parted the waters. And now they're on the other side, and the first stop is going to be Jericho. We know God will give a tremendous uh, victory at Jericho. But before the victory, the end of the chapter, verse 13 of Joshua chapter 5, now when Joshua was, was near Jericho, he looked up. And he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander, commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. It's my strong opinion. This is the angel of the Lord. 
You find the angel of the Lord appearing several times throughout the Old Testament, and the angel of the Lord is pre-incarnate Christ. I believe, even though it doesn't say this is the angel of the Lord, I believe it has to be the angel of the Lord, and, and you read the rest of it with me, and I think you'll come to the same conclusion. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence, and he asked, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And the only time you hear that kind of a directive is when it's God here, the angel of the Lord. And so Joshua did so. He took off his sandals. He's the commander of the Lord's army. We will get to Deuteronomy, but let me take one more stop. Second Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18, Hezekiah is the king at this period, and Hezekiah and the people of Israel are being threatened by the king of Assyria, Sennacherib. Verse 17, the king of Assyria sent his supreme commander, his chief officer, and his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah. They came up to Jerusalem and stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. They called for the king. And Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went out to them. And the field commander said to them, tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have the counsel and the might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? You jump down to verse 31. He says, do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree. Drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life and not death. He's not only threatening them, he's trying to entice them to come over to his side. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he's misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of, and then he mentioned some of the people they've defeated, Hamath and Arpad. Where are the gods of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Iva? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? In response to the threats, wise, I emphasize wise, King Hezekiah. You know what he does? You get to chapter 19 and verse 15. He called a prayer meeting. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, verse 15, the God of Israel. 
Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, that's the angelic creatures he's created. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You've made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations in their lands. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they are not gods, but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. You jump down to verse 35 of chapter 19, and here's what it says. That night, the angel of the Lord, the commander of the Lord's army, went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. He's a warrior. He's never lost a battle, and he's never lost a war, and he never will. Deuteronomy chapter 20. He's a warrior. The angel of the Lord, Christ, is the commander of the Lord's army, and he wants you and I to be in that army. He wants us to be like him. Warriors. Now, I realize that the warrior aspect of God is not the only aspect of his character. I understand that. Nevertheless, he is a warrior. He leads an army. God does not draft people into his army. It's a volunteer army. You have to enlist. You have to want to serve him. You have to want to follow him into battle. And he has requirements. He has characteristics. He has character qualities he's looking for for those in his army. And you find them right here in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Verse 1, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them. Because the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, will be with you. When you're about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, hear Israel, today you're going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you victory. First thing to note, who is it that God chooses to address the army? The priest. Isn't that interesting? The spiritual leader. The spiritual leader stands before the warriors. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's really not against your wife. It's really not against your husband. It's really not against your kids. It's really not against mom and dad. It's really not against your boss. It's really not against the principal. It's really not against people. It's a spiritual battle. People are involved, but it's a spiritual battle. And unless we get the spiritual right, 
You'll never survive in the physical battle. You got that? Please understand that. It's spiritual, spiritual. We live in a physical world, but it's a spiritual battle. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. The weapons we use, Paul says, are not the weapons of this world. Spiritual. What are the character qualities God's looking for? I could have thrown in here faith, but faith fits in with this first one I've suggested based on the first verses we read there. Uh, God's looking for us to be courageous. Courageous. Takes courage. Takes courage. Fear has many times kept someone or God's people even from winning battles against the enemy. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. The Midianites are ravaging the land and God raises up one of the judges. This is one of my favorite Gideon, Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, the angel of the Lord, here he is again. He's the commander of the Lord's army. He came and he sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, this will never get old. As many times as I've read it, never get old. Here's what, here's what he says to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. You can learn something right away about uh, God's army. God's warriors aren't usually humanly impressive. Okay? The world would look at uh, God's warriors and go, you? You, really? I mean, you think about David. Little David comes out to, to face Goliath. That's God's choice. That's God's warrior right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, same thing with Gideon. Gideon is, is not impressive. He's not impressive. He says, verse 13, pardon me, Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? We're all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And again, Gideon said, pardon me, Lord. Uh, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. He's not impressive. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. You jump down. Again, this story never gets old to me. Verse 36, Gideon said to God, if you'll save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I'll place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I'll know that you'll save Israel by my hand. As you said, Gideon's looking for assurance. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and he wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Now here's a man full of faith. Again, he's not impressive. And he's not at this point full of faith because look at what he does next. Then Gideon said, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. 
Well, as the story goes on, Gideon is not extremely encouraged. You get to chapter 7, verse 1, early in the morning, Gideon, all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. He's got 32,000. He's going up against an innumerable, innumerable army, like sand on the seashore. You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me, my own strength to save me. Now announce to the army, here he goes, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. What's God's requirement? Courageous. You got to be courageous. And it's not a draft, it's an enlistment. Anybody afraid, you can leave. You, you don't have to go. You don't have to go to battle. That's what God says. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. 22,000 left. <laughs> and the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. I'd like to see Gideon's face <laughs> at this point. Take them down to the water. I'll thin them out. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if, if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go, go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. The Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And so with one very unimpressive leader, and 300, God won a great battle, a great battle, and defeated a whole army of Midianites. I love these Old Testament stories. Next stop, before we get back to Deuteronomy, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 13, 1 Samuel 13, verse 5. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Verse 6, when the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad, and Gilead. You jump all the way to chapter 17 of 1 Samuel and verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Ezekiel. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He's over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's about 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. Its iron point weighed 600 shekels, 15 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you're not the servants of Saul? 
Choose a man. Have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Here's what the proverb says. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. It'll lock you down and keep you from moving forward with God. That's why God again and again encouraged his people, encouraged his people to be courageous, to be brave. He told Moses, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. He's referring to all the bad dude kings they would meet along the way and all the vast armies they would encounter along the way. Don't be afraid of them. Be courageous. For the Lord your God goes with you. He told Joshua, be strong and very courageous. He said it again in verse 18, same chapter. Be strong and courageous. Joshua, in turn, as the leader, said to the people, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Now I want to pause for just a minute. It's natural to fear. You hear what I said? It's natural to fear. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there all alone. The boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Three recorded stories in the Gospels about Jesus and the boat in relation to storms. One, he's in the boat, but he's asleep. Remember what the disciples did? They wake him up and they say, Lord, don't you care that we're about to die? And he spoke and there was calm. The second one is here and the third one is here. You say the second and third in the same story? Yeah. Shortly before dawn, verse 25, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. They think they're going to die. They think this is the death angel. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. Where's your courage? It's I. Don't be afraid. One gospel account of this tells us specifically, Jesus looks down from the mountainside and he sees them in the storm. Another account says when he comes, he's walking on the lake and he would have passed by them. He would have passed by them. He's just going to leave them there to deal with it. Why? Because the only way to overcome natural fear that we all have, we all have, all of us, all of us, it's natural to fear. And the only way to overcome it is to learn to live by faith. He wants them to learn to live by faith. 
We're so glad you joined us today on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the resources tab on our website for more information. This is a great way to dive into the Word. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God and His Word over the radio. So please pray that anyone listening today would be open to hearing the gospel message. We ask that you pray for soft hearts and receptive minds to the grace that Jesus offers to everyone. Please pray also for us, that we'd continue seeking God's will for this program, and that we'd have the courage to follow Him wherever He leads. As you pray, please let us know if God would lead you to support The Living Word financially. If you'd like to give any amount to this ministry, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the Give tab. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We appreciate you tuning in. Pastor Danny will share more next time right here on The Living Word.